0: Now,
1: more importantly, uh, let me introduce our speaker uh, now. Dr. Philip Eichhorn received his medical degree from UT Southwestern here in Dallas in 1972. He became a staff dermatologist at the Dallas VA. He's been there since 1981. He's currently clinical professor of dermatology at UT Southwestern and maintains a solo dermatology practice here in Dallas. He's gonna to talk to us this afternoon about pyoderma gangrenosum assist me in welcoming Dr. Eichhorn. Well, thank you for that kind introduction. Also, uh, it's a great turnout and uh, actually a nice day out there. So I'm glad some of you stayed this afternoon. Um, I'm more interested in uh, medical dermatology than uh, surgical, uh, so that uh, I do see interesting cases, and pyoderma gangrenosum is a very interesting phenomenon, which I think you'll... uh, uh, agree after we go through the talk. A lot of the uh, heart of the talk is some of the clinical photographs in response to treatment, and uh, those should be in uh, your, uh, I guess, uh, electronic handout or whatever that uh, you receive. So if you want to review uh, some of the photographs, then uh, uh, they should be in your uh, computer set. Anyway, what uh, we're going to review today is the clinical features, of pyoderma gangrenosum, uh, its diagnosis and differential, uh, some disorders that are associated with it, uh, an interesting phenomenon, the extracutaneous manifestation. So it's an ulcerative disease of the skin, but lungs, spleen, other internal organs can have a similar uh, pathologic process. Sometimes that's not uh, remembered and it can be important. And then talk about therapy. Since it's a more complex, rare disorder, uh, there's not exactly one treatment that fits all. So we'll go over several different uh, approaches and then you have to customize it depending on uh, your patient's response and also some underlying conditions uh, uh, that might make one treatment more uh, uh, appropriate for one patient than another. Uh, The definition, it's a chronic destructive, ulcerating skin disease of unknown etiology and it was uh, uh, clinically will produce uh, usually very painful, rapidly enlarging ulcers. And they have a very distinctive bluish uh, colored uh, undermined border, and it's surrounded by an advancing uh, zone of erythema. And so here's a good example of uh, a really fresh osum, uh lesion on the ankle. You see the ulceration, this really purple halo, and this ulceration is burrowing under the edge and then you have this violaceous erythema around there. So they're quite distinctive looking when all the clinical features are there. Uh, You then get a very indolent, painful ulcer that uh, gradually extends. You can see it gets uh, quite deep and is extremely uh, destructive and when it finally heals it tends to heal with an atrophic scar that often has this little stippled or dotted pattern or cribriform pattern and that means that if, if the skin had been perforated like, the, like a sieve and you can see here's a new lesion, you can see that uh, deep sort of perforated appearance. So even the appearance of the scarves gives you an idea that it was a quite destructive process. The uh, pathology is useful for several uh, reasons. One, it can confirm that the uh, pathology is consistent with pyoderma gangrenosum but there's not a specific uh, actual uh, diagnostic uh, procedure. If you use a good derm path lab, you give them the right clinical history, they will give you an idea that you probably are dealing with it. Uh, but uh, it's in the spectrum of the neutrophilic dermatoses, and the actual findings, depending a little bit on the age of the lesion and where they are. And the differential would include Sweet syndrome, erythema elevatum diutinum, rheumatoid neutrophilic dermatosis, uh, pyogenic abscesses, or cellulitis. Uh, bromoderma or or, uh, ioderma and leukocytoclastic vasculitis along with things like Bichette syndrome, intestinal bypass syndrome. Uh, Ruling out other possible diseases, particularly infections, is the other main reason that you need to do a biopsy and not just for histopathology but also we usually send some tissue for cultures for fungi, acid fast, uh, bacilli. Here's sort of the uh, changes you'd see under the microscope depending on the zone that you biopsy. Uh, So if you get that erythematous cellulitic zone peripheral to the ulcer, you'll see some endothelial cell swelling, fibrinoid necrosis and uh, thrombosis, uh, and a lot of lymphocytes in that area. If you get into the actual blue undermined edge, you see more of a predominance of poly. So that's why you'll uh, see a uh, heavy infiltrate of polymorphonuclear leukocytes with less uh, lymphocytes there and uh, early abscess and uh, ulceration formation. If you do the biopsy of the floor of the ulcer, you're just gonna see a sea of polymorphonuclear leukocytes. So an abscess, if you will. And here's what you'd see under the microscope. Uh, you can see this uh, abscess cavity forming here in the middle. And most of these cells here are polys. And you can see that the uh, epidermis is brick red and uh, necrotic up here. Uh, so, uh, the, depending on the zone, the best way to do the biopsy is to actually see if you can get uh, the undermined border, a little bit of the ulceration, and some of that halo and then you'll kind of get an idea of the, uh, all three of the zones uh, for your lab whenever that's feasible. The clinical features, it tends to be a disease of our, uh, middle adult life from the mid-20s to the mid-50s, but it can be seen in children uh, and it can be seen in older uh, individuals. Uh, the sex ratio is even to slight female predominance. Very, the absolute majority of cases occur on the lower extremities, particularly the legs uh, and the ankle feet areas, very, very common, but it can be seen elsewhere on the body. The next major area is the torso of the body. Uh, a lot of the cases will show pathology, that is some sort of minor trauma precedes the onset of the ulceration. Trauma as simple as a needle puncture, say a vena puncture, will sometimes produce a little pustular response or actually start off an ulceration. Uh, there's some associated disorders in up to half the cases. The most common are inflammatory bowel disease and arthritis, particularly things like rheumatoid arthritis. But you can also see it with a variety of uh, leukemia and pre-leukemic uh, conditions, IgA, gammopathy, and occasionally other solid malignancies. Here's an example of the pathergy phenomenon. Uh, this was a patient who uh, was a uh, medical dermatologist. dream. The guy had gangrenosum with some internal involvement, but he also had underlying psoriasis. So this is his psoriasis here, and he had fevers and abnormal uh, uh, painful abdomen. He had uh, abscesses in the spleen, and these were actually due to extracutaneous manifestation of uh, gangrenosum. So they took out his spleen here, and where the sutures were placed, the little needle puncture to put the suture in, he's got fresh uh, ulcerations with the violaceous uh, color. So this is an example of pathology, so uh, the surgical traumas inducing new lesions. Uh, There's four kind of clinical types, the ulcerative, the most common, a pustular form, uh, a bullous form that's uh, often on the dorsum of the hands and often associated with hematologic problems, and then a superficial uh, granulomatous type or vegetative pyoderma gangrenosum. Here's the ulcerative type, and this was the first type that was described uh, by Brunsting at the Mayo Clinic in 1930. And it starts as a primary kind of purplish papule, often painful, with this halo of erythema and this is the area that's going to break down and form the uh, central ulceration. Uh, the uh, border rapidly expands, you get that purple uh, halo and uh, this is the type most commonly associated with inflammatory bowel disease, arthritis or monoclonal gammopathy, usually an IgA one and it generally requires systemic therapy to control. The ulcers be- can become t- tens of centimeters in size if untreated, so they can get quite large. Here's an example of an ulcerative pyoderma gangrenosum on the leg of a patient who had known ulcerative colitis. And you can see this uh, violaceous border, the central ulceration. Uh, Here's another one that had been going on a little bit longer. There's a little central actually healing in this one and a a brand new lesion starting here. Uh, These are usually quite uh, painful, and even when they're uh, smaller, they can be quite uh, painful to the patient. That's one of the things you need to try to, get the control of the process. Uh, here's another example of ulcerative uh, pyoderma gangrenosum. Here's the one we saw earlier with the deep ulcer. This has been uh, present for a couple of three months uh, and here's a good example of the uh, ulceration in the center the undermined uh, border. This patient had rheumatoid arthritis as an underlying process. Pustular types produce uh, smaller painful pustules that may be on an erythematous face, sometimes just occurring on relatively normal looking skin. And often the pustule breaks down in the center, but doesn't lead to the large ulcerative lesions that we've seen before. And uh, the extensor surfaces, the extremities and upper trunk are areas uh, that will often be seen. It's, uh, very similar pustu- pustules can be seen in uh, patients who undergo the bowel bypass uh, operation. And a very interesting oral lesion called pyostomatitis vegetans can coexist and we'll show some pictures of what that looks like. Here's the pustular pyoderma gangrenosum uh, on the foot of a patient who has rheumatoid arthritis. You can see a little pustule here and then here this uh, purulent sort of pustular lesion is starting uh, to uh, break down. Sometimes there could be multiple lesions. Uh, Here's an ankle of another uh, patient with pustular pyoderma gangrenosum. If you biopsy this, you're going to see a predominance of the polymorphonuclear leukocytes. And here's a, the elbow of a patient with the bowel bypass syndrome. You can see they have a very similar uh, pustular lesions. So there's obviously a skin-gut connection uh, that's frequently been inser- observed in uh, pyoderma gangrenosum and associated type disorders. This is pyostomatitis vegetans. And uh, these are uh, white areas, <coughs> excuse me, of leukokeratosis of the uh, gingiva often, but they can involve the uh, palate, and they sort of leave this wavy snail's track kind of pattern that's uh, very characteristic, and you can see the same sort of pattern uh, here. Again, if you biopsy these, you'd see uh, a perikeratotic uh, process with some polys in there. piderm pyodermagaginosum was described by Perry and Winkleman uh, again at the Mayo Clinic in the early 1970s and uh, these are painful superficial bully that progress to shallow erosions and uh, ulcerations uh, and they have this very uh, nice cyanotic uh, erythematous halo again the dorsum of the hands the most common but it can occur on other areas and that's the one very often associated with hematological conditions again it's in that same neutrophilic dermatosis Spectrum with Sweet syndrome, erythema alabotum diutinum, and subcorneal pustular dermatosis. And here's a good example of uh, uh, bullous pyoderma gangrenosum. And this was a patient we saw at our veterans hospital that turned out to have uh, hairy cell leukemia. And uh, you can see these um, uh, uh, large bully with the necrotic uh, centers, the uh, wonderful uh, violaceous kind of halos. This came on uh, within about two weeks so a very rapid onset. Uh, I think we can say this patient's probably a smoker. Everybody agree on that one? And this is uh, one of my very nice uh, patients who had known pyoderma without any associated uh, features. And he also demonstrated the pathology f- uh, formation. And he worked near my office. So uh, he was willing to come in several days in a row to let me take pictures of him. And what happened is he nicked his finger on a, on a rough spot on a, a garden gate. And uh, two days later, he had this uh, early lesion. So this was at a site of minor trauma. This is, or this is the initial. <clears throat> 48 hours later, and then one week later, that's how rapidly uh, these uh, can progress. Uh, it's hard to get these pictures without the cooperation of the patient. Uh, vegetative is the most um, rare type. It produces little superficial uh, sort of limited uh, lesions. It's less, the least aggressive variant of it. Very often a little solitary area on the, the trunk of uh, adults may or may not be associated uh, with other conditions but generally isn't. Uh, And again, they'll usually show the same type of uh, of reaction with a palisading granulomatous reaction sometimes at the border. And this is the type that very often will respond to intralesional steroids or things like protopic ointment, topical immunomodulators. And here's an example of uh, that on a patient's back. And you can see uh, this kind of superficial process. And this had smoldered over a, a couple of month period. It uh, started in the, uh, this area and it has exudate and that exudate is causing irritation and that's producing this linear kebnerize. So the patient, uh, as that uh, exudate goes down and causes further irritation, it produces this nice uh, kebnerized effect. Uh, Uh, The uh, diagnosis is really made clinically by recognizing the evolving clinical features. Uh, You see the typical ulceration. The patient maybe has underlying inflammatory bowel disease or symptoms that make you think they have that. They have underlying arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, They had minor trauma starting it, so the whole clinical picture uh, sort of fits in there. The pathology is variable, not diagnostic, but it's helpful. Uh, There's no direct clinical laboratory test that's diagnostic. And so you do a detailed history, physical uh, exam, and laboratory investigations, part of which is to exclude other causes of ulceration. And so your uh, differential diagnosis of the non-infectious differentials are your halogenodermis, so your iodides, bromide levels, so your serum electrolytes would give you an idea or a tox screen. Uh, are they on isotretinoin or uh, colony-stimulating factor drugs? Uh, you can uh, think of things like antiphospholipid syndrome. Do they have a reason to have a hypercoagulable state? Uh, unfortunately, people do things to their skin. Factitial spider bites usually quite distinctive. Uh, ulcerative, ulcerative neoplasms of the skin, like mycosis fungoides, or systemic vasculitis. And here's some examples of that. This patient had mycosis fungoides, cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, uh, with this deep ulceration and a sort of violaceous halo. Here's the person that was trying to do the right thing, cleaning out his garage, something my wife's been bugging me to do, and uh, uh, felt a little pain, and the next day, uh, a couple days later, he shows up with this, and uh, this is a spider bite. Most spider bites that we've seen uh, in the last few years has been our friend, uh, Mursa, really, Uh, But this is uh, the red, white, and blue sign. You have the uh, blue purple necrotic center, the white blanched uh, 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 area around it without any circulation that's going to seriously be dead soon, and then the halo of erythema often has this unusual sort of pattern to it. And then the uh, patient here is a patient with rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, with rheumatoid vasculitis and I think you can see the uh, similar kind of ulcerations that would put pyoderma gangrenosum in the differential. Here's some uh, induced or factitious uh, dermatitis. Uh, here you see an ulceration this is on the thigh and this person was mechanically picking at their skin and uh, you can see a deep ulceration. Uh, you can see a, a, a sort of a violaceous border but it's not so much undermined it's just hyperemic uh, and you can notice these linear, linear extensions where the person's uh, literally uh, uh, picking and hacking away uh, at the skin. Again, a biopsy wouldn't show the typical changes that we saw, wouldn't show an, uh, any evidence of infection. But factional dermatitis can be difficult to find. Uh, this person has some unusual ulcerations with a kind of violaceous border. But if you notice at the tip, it's sort of a little cross here. So it looks like something was sort of painted on, and he, in the coloring book, he got outside the lines, you might say, and uh, this patient was painting uh, Drano on his skin there, and you would say, why would you want to do that? Well, uh, he got in the hospital for this, and uh, the reason was that uh, two days uh, 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 before, when he came in the hospital, two days later, he was uh, supposed to meet with the judge to uh, get some free rent at the Hotel Graybar for about 10 years, so. He wanted to be in the uh, hospital rather than uh, that august hotel. Uh, the infectious differential diagnosis would include mycobacterial infections, particularly your atypical mycobacteria like My- mycobacterium fortuitum, that sort of thing. Uh, syphilis, either a vegetari- vegetative secondary or tertiary late syphilis, which we don't see that often, but uh, that would be in the differential. and. Uh, Dr. Baxter, the wound care surgeon at Parkland, actually showed a neat picture that uh, looked very much like that. And when they did the serologies, it was late uh, syphilis, and the patient did very well with antibiotic therapy. Uh, decreti- fungal infections, necrotizing fasciitis, amoebiasis, uh, viral infections, particularly in the setting of immunosuppressions where they don't produce just blisters but actual ulcerations. And here's some clinical examples of that. Infratuitum. This was a post-surgical ulcer uh, on the uh, abdomen and you can see the uh, uh, deep punched out uh, ulceration here. This was a late uh, syphilis ulcer that healed with uh, penicillin therapy, but you can see the ulceration, the sort of uh, dusky border and the violaceous halo. And uh, Without doing your proper workup, you could miss a condition like that that's rare but uh, a treatable condition. Uh, Here's a patient uh, with AIDS, so severe immunosuppression. Started with a little recurrent herpes simplex and over several months this uh, gradually expanded into this uh, large vegetative plaque. Here's a patient that actually had a um, unusual amoeba, balamuthia species uh, that causes deep ulceration with violaceous uh, borders. And this particular case ended up uh, fatally. So your workup would include your history, physical, and that would tend to exclude uh, drugs, spider bite, factitious disease, uh, connective tissue disease, hematologic. Uh, uh, skin and uh, biopsy, you do it for your pathology and also special stains, uh, which could uh, find amoeba. And then you would look for neoplasms, vasculitis, uh, viral bully, uh, and it, you might be able to see fungal or AFB infections with special stains. But you would also send some... Uh, Skid biopsy tissue for a uh, culture to the lab and let the lab know that you're interested in mycobacteria or uh, uh, deep fungal and they'll set up the proper cultures. Uh, swab cultures are not good. You actually have to send tissue. I find a six punch is usually adequate so put that in a uh, uh, sterile cup with a couple of drops of saline. The labs don't like you to put that on gauze so just put it in Uh, Saline, uh, if you can't take it to the lab right away, put it in the refrigerator and then I would suggest hand carry it to the lab so that they don't actually lose the specimen. Uh, The laboratory workup would include a CBC, you're looking for hematologic problems, a SED rate, chemistry profiles, uh, if your uh, chloride is out of whack that might be a sign of a halogenoderma, your syphilis serology, a SPEP to look for abnormal proteins, uh, rheumatoid factor, uh, antitryptin level, ANA, if you think it's possible, antiphospholipid antibodies, ANCA antibodies, uh, you can get uh, tox screen or iodide levels and uh, hepatitis profile, which is sometimes associated with uh, vasculitic syndromes and even your thyroid functions. Uh, viral cultures, uh, chest film, again, looking for signs of uh, a, a deep fungal infection like valley fever. Uh, GI tract, and that if you think the patient might have a severe surgical problem like necrotizing fasciitis and a surgical consult, uh, con, uh, those patients are usually deathly ill. Um, the condition really doesn't look exactly like pyoderma but uh, early on you could have a an ulcer that's a, vi- uh, a bacterial ulcer that's uh, degenerating into necrotizing fasciitis. The most common diseases that are associated with PG. Or inflammatory bowel disease, arthritis, monoclonal gammopathy, uh, other things causing immunologic dysfunction like uh, particularly immunosuppression and hematologic and malignant disease. Uh, there's other reported associations that are much less uh, common and uh, much less secure. So uh, the inflammatory bowel disease association is the most uh, well-documented. Brungstein cases, four out of the five originals had ulcerative colitis, and Powell collected a series of 86 cases from Mayo Clinic in uh, in the early uh, 1980s, and uh, actually uh, uh, about a third of them or a little bit more had inflammatory bowel disease, almost equally split between Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Uh, The incidence uh, is a little different. If you look at people with pyoderma gangrenosum, there's a high incidence of these, but if you look at people with the underlying disease, that not that many of them get pyoderma gangrenosum. So it's a rare manifestation of ulcerative colitis, but if they have pyoderma gangrenosum, they have a high chance of having it. Interestingly, the pyoderma gangrenosum can proceed, follow, or be simultaneous with onset. So I've seen people whose inflammatory bowel disease is well documented, but in remission, and they still come up with pyoderma gangrenosum. A successful treatment of the inflammatory bowel disease may or may not control the skin disease. Uh, now that we have the biologic, such as your uh, infliximab, these types of drugs generally the two things often do parallel, but it's not 100%. Uh, interestingly, bowel surgery is usually not necessarily effective for treatment of the uh, skin disease. So If the person has a colectomy, that may not totally control the uh, cutaneous ulceration. Peristomal is an interesting one. Patients who've had a colostomy or ureos- uh, urostomy. Um, or ileostomy can get actually parastomal, uh, pyoderma, some ulcers, and it's very often not recognized by the uh, uh, surgeons performing the operation. This was a study from the United Kingdom of 26 patients. A high percentage did have some inflammatory bowel disease, uh, but the other main thing was uh, colostomy for carcinoma or diverticular disease, and uh, uh, urostomy for uh, urogenic bladder was seen in the others. And in this case, topical uh, tacrolimus, this would be like protopic, but actually augmented to 0.3, three times stronger than the uh, uh, one that you can get in the dental paste or base, uh, was able to heal some of these patients. Uh, Topical clobetasol can work, and systemic steroids, uh, dapsone, uh, have been uh, used. These patients may also respond to intralesional steroid and uh, anti-inflammatory tetracyclines like minocycline were not, uh, not uh, very useful. And here's an example of the colostomy with the uh, pyoderma gangrenosum here. Uh, and this particular person responded to a short course of systemic steroids and some uh, topical tacrolimus, so uh, uh, something to be aware of. And you can biopsy these uh, to look for other uh, causes, say, amebiasis or something like that and they actually, the biopsy site will heal. Arthritis has been associated in a fair percentage of patients as either a phenomenon associated with it some painful joints uh, or actually a uh, rheumatoid arthritis or a seronegative monoticular inflammation. Uh, so there have been several different types of arthritic syndromes associated with pyoderma gangrenosum. Rheumatoid arthritis is uh, one of the ones that's seen the most often. And then monoclonal ganopathy, very often it's an IgA, remember the IgA skin-gut connection uh, and it's up to 10% in some series. Uh, most times it's a, a benign monoclonal, monoclonal uh, but there have been rare cases of multiple myeloma uh, reported. Uh, other uh, plasma cell disorders uh, can be seen uh, in the setting of pyoderma gangrenosum. So there's your serum protein electrophoresis type uh, workup will look for these abnormal proteins. And then immunologic dysfunction, I, I think uh, the last uh, couple of decades, uh, we've seen it uh, more and associated with immunosuppression. So in your transplant patients, uh, and HIV infection when the patient is uh, not on appropriate therapy and is uh, immunosuppressed. It's also been seen uh, with different uh, congenital and acquired hypogamoglobin anemias and uh, hypergammoglobin e-, e syndrome, and sometimes these patients will actually show cutaneous uh, energy to various uh, skin test antigens. Uh, malignant disease, uh, the hemologic diseases are the ones that are most uh, common. Leukemias, both acute and chronic myeloid, uh, in both children and adults. Uh, bullus is the most common. It's also been seen in association with myelomas. And then some uh, myelofibrosis and polycythemia rubrivera. And often it's about at the time that these may undergo malignant transformation. Uh, But Hodgkin's, other non-Hodgkin's lymphomas, and even cutaneous T-cell have occasionally been associated with pyoderma gangrenosum. Those are not as much as common as the uh, leukemias. And there have been a smattering of case reports of solid tumors, uh, but I wonder if that's not a a biased uh, reporting bias. You don't see it very often associated with a solid tumor and uh, because partially those occur a little more commonly in older people. This is more of a disease of middle life. These are other things that are more case reports that you'll see. Now there is a congenital syndrome called the PAPA syndrome where people get deep cystic acne and a pyogenic, uh, or a, a pyogenic uh, arthri- arthropathy. Uh, and uh, this is actually a dominantly inherited uh, problem with the CD2 uh, receptor protein mutation. Uh, it's not very common, but that would be, uh, uh, something associated, but you would not see that uh, very often. But if the patient did have severe uh, cystic acne and pyoderma gangrenosum, that would be the thing to uh, look for. Uh, the extracutaneous manifestations are really not often well uh, thought of. We I mean, mostly think of it as a skin disease, and it usually is, but it can involve other organs and cause interesting phenomena. These patients often have a low-grade fever. A Leukocytosis, so they're usually thought to have some sort of an occult infection. And if you actually get a tissue from the uh, involved organ, the lung or the spleen, say, you'll see these neutrophilic infiltrates that are sterile when you culture them. And uh, destruction, so the tissue breaks down, it literally forms stellate abscesses often that is breaking down the tissue, much as it's doing to the skin. So this same process that we're seeing on the skin can occur uh, as an internal uh, disease. So it really is in a way a systemic disease in some patients. Uh, Pulmonary involvement in the spleen, liver, and lymph nodes are the most common, but it's been seen in the joints, heart, central nervous system, and uh, they've even been ocular cases. So uh, generally it would not be recognized except that the patient does have the cutaneous disease uh, also. Uh, The lung usually produces patchy infiltrates, often with cavitation or pleural effusions. And uh, prednisone will produce dramatic improvement. Uh, If you cannot successfully taper it, then you may have to use the steroid sparing agent strategy that we'll allude to. And this was a patient that had uh, low-grade fever, pulmonary infiltrates, and uh, enlarged spleen, pain in the abdomen. And the spleen was removed. I think we showed you the clinical picture. And here's this uh, stellate uh, abscess here uh, with polys. And uh, the surgeon was so concerned they froze some tissue and sent it to the CDC to culture for everything, uh, I think including Hansen's disease, uh, and nothing grew. And uh, this patient had known pydermogangrenosum, and it all cleared up when we could get the antibiotics out of their hands and uh, give them some uh, prednisone. And then ultimately needed to, to be on a steroid sparing agent, and it turned out that CellSept worked okay. Here's the uh... Uh, pulmonary infiltrate and here on the CT scan you can see the infiltrate with the cavity uh, there and this will all clear up very nicely with uh, therapy for pyoderma gangrenosum and it will not respond to uh, antimicrobial therapy. Pyoderma gangrenosum in childhood is not common, it's a good thing. Uh, Kids have enough problems growing up without this. Uh, But there was a series of 27 uh, cases uh, that were actually gotten together in a 1986 review. And in children, most of them do have associated disorders, unlike adults where maybe 50% seem to be otherwise healthy. Uh, and again, our friends, inflammatory bowel disease uh, with a little bit of a toward ulcerative colitis, uh, 15% had some form of inflammatory arthritis and 15% had leukemia or, uh, or uh, 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 hypogamoglobin anemia. Uh, and uh, uh, only less than 10% had no associated uh, diseases. And these tended to be very refractory uh, to treatment and uh, required uh, systemic therapy and often for even uh, longer than what would control some of the underlying symptoms. So uh, not, a, not a common thing, but it can be a significant problem to treat. Now let's move on to uh, treatment of pyoderma gangrenosum, which uh, can be a bit difficult. And uh, As far as local therapy, uh, for these very mild cases and the, uh, uh, the superficial granulomatous uh, type or vegetative type, you can sometimes get by with local treatment, and there's some adjunctive measures that can be helpful, but uh, for the severe cases, it's usually going to require more than local therapy. Uh, intralesional steroids, particularly if you catch it very early, Uh, Triamcinolone, acetonide, 6 to 10 milligrams per ml into the advancing uh, rim uh, usually every five to seven days will work. Uh, Be careful though, the needle punctures can lead to the uh, Kebner phenomenon. So if the patient has a strong history of the uh, or pathology phenomenon, then you might not want to to do that. Uh, Intralesial steroids are sometimes used as an adjunct, but often not necessary if they're responding properly. Topical steroids usually do not do much good and topical uh, uh, tacrolimus can be helpful but the best results were with the augmented formula and there are a couple of pharmacies in uh, Dallas that will actually compound uh, 0.3 tacrolimus ointment and uh, 30 grams approximately, uh, one ounce will set you back uh, about $270. And uh, your insurance companies are not just lining up saying, me first, we wanna pay for it. So the pr- patient often has to pay for it out of pocket, uh, but that can be a nice, uh, very safe treatment if the patient has limited disease and uh, plenty of money in the bank. Uh, gentle debridement of the of exudate the, uh, with just saline compresses or sterile saline irrigation can be helpful. Uh, and a petrolatum or non-adherent uh, gauze uh, can be applied on there. Uh, and you really want to avoid aggressive surgical debridement. Remember the pathergy phenomenon. We'll show you some examples of pathogy out of control. Surgical approaches, uh, again, this isn't a surgical disease, but when you have the process under control, uh, so you have to have ma- uh, medical therapy to completely control the process, you might then be able to use a uh, skin graft or cultured keratinocyte autographs Uh, to help speed the resolution of the ulcer. Uh, Again, if the process isn't controlled, you can imagine you can induce another ulcer in the donor sites. You won't have it under control. So it has limited use, but if you have very large ulcerations that are gonna take a long time to heal, it can be an adjunctive measure. Uh, An aggressive debridement or wound excision is contraindicated. And if you get some of the plastic surgery literature, Uh, A lot of these cases, if they uh, were seen in the plastic surgery clinic, they literally excised the the ulcer. And then it came back bigger and they'd excise it bigger. And when technically it was too big to even consider excision, then they'd get a derm consult. So you can see how they hold us in high esteem, you know. And this was a guy that uh, uh, had known inflammatory bowel disease. He was one of my patients uh, that I've seen for other reasons. Uh, had known uh, ulcerative colitis and uh, uh, hurt himself on a skiing trip, bumped his head, and unfortunately went to the local uh, surgeon who debrided it. And it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And in this little box here, that little shiny object, uh, that's the calvarium. Uh, Never a good look having your skull showing, you know. And so uh, this was after six weeks of prednisone, and you can see it's already... Uh, healing in uh, very nicely and here's the final result he has a little adhesion here we told him we could release that and he says I don't let anybody cut I uh, said I don't even like to get my hair cut at the barber after having that minor trauma so uh, uh, very very quick response if you put the patient on prednisone most of the time so uh, contraindication extensive debris mop Here's a list of all the treatments that have been used, and generally that means what? That there's not one perfect treatment, right, when you see that many. Uh, But I think most cases we can bring under control uh, nowadays. Some of the treatments like dapsone and minocycline I think really haven't stood the test of time as very good uh, treatments for this as uh, clofazamine, your really potent alkylating agents like uh, cyclophosphamide and chloramucil can be effective, but they have severe bone marrow toxicity. These are dangerous drugs, and I think we have safer alternatives. So I don't think all of these are used, utilized much at the present time, but if you read the older literature, uh, you'll find those. Imuran can be helpful and is a relatively cost-effective drug. Uh, methotrexate can be used. I haven't been as happy in pyoderma gangrenosum with that. And then I think that uh, the lidamide is uh, of limited uh, use and difficult to obtain, but your uh, biologic agents can be helpful along with uh, cell And here's some uh, uh, photos of some treatment uh, options that you have. Really systemic steroids remain the cornerstone of treatment and they tend to work the fastest you wanna use a high initial dose. So what you'd like to do is get rapid control. So it's better with pyoderma gangrenosum to start high and come down rather than chase it up. So something in the one milligram per kilogram uh, range. So for a typical adult, 80 to 60 to 80 milligrams of prednisone uh, uh, will uh, usually be enough. And you can always increase it a little bit if you're not getting a response fairly quickly. Usually they'll have some decreased pain, Uh, decrease exudation and you might even see the violaceous border begin to sort of dry up so you can see a fairly prompt response uh, to it and here you can see this patient uh, had this uh, long-standing ulcer Uh, just after four weeks uh, the ulcer is smaller the erythema is down the smaller ulceration is almost healed and uh, you have a hyperemic border but it's not nearly as uh, angry looking here so just a few weeks and you can see a tremendous uh, uh, healing. So generally you're looking for a fairly quick response. If not, get your dose up fairly uh, high. And you can see the final atrophic uh, cribriform scar there. Uh, For patients who uh, really have very large ulcers, you'd like to bring it under control as rapidly as possible. Uh, IV pulse methylprednisolone has been used. Uh, A gram, which is a super pharmacologic dose, can be infused over an hour and this can repeat, be repeated several times uh, for several consecutive days, and uh, sometimes you can get a very quick turn off of the process. In some countries like India, uh, this strategy is often used because uh, the patient doesn't have access to long-term or expensive drugs like cyclosporin. Uh, but uh, you can get into serious metabolic abnormalities, uh, cardiac arrhythmias, and there have even been fatalities associated with this. So this is a somewhat Uh, aggressive, dangerous treatment that's used as sort of heroic therapy. If the patient has uh, renal disease, electrolyte imbalance, or a history of cardiac uh, disease or is on diuretics that could upset uh, fluid balance, uh, it's really contraindicated. Uh, Sulfosalidine and sulfapyridine have been known to sometimes uh, work, uh, Dapsone also, but most of this literature is old. Uh, Menocycline uh, has been used, but I think for the most part it's not terribly useful. And uh, clofazamine, which is an antimicrobacterial uh, agent, uh, again, you'll find most of those articles are old, and I don't think uh, most of these therapies are utilized as uh, current uh, therapy except in unusual cases. Immunosuppressant uh, uh, treatment is generally used as a steroid-sparing agent. You start them on corticosteroids. If they respond well and you're able to taper them to a sane dose, uh, that would may be all you'll need to do. But if they're ha- requiring high doses and you start tapering them and you lose control, you don't want to keep them on the high-dose steroid, then you can add in things like azotrioprene or your alkylating agents. Uh, again, I think these things are more dangerous than your Imuran. Uh, methotrexate, uh, Jeff Callen has re- uh, reported several series of this. He's not as fond of it. Uh, cyclosporin can work uh, in several case series quite rapidly, but it does uh, have some significant uh, problems. Uh, for people who don't respond to cyclosporin, you can use the other calcineurin inhibitor, the tacrolimus. And then uh, uh, CellCep mycophenolate uh, can be useful. And for patients who can afford it, I've had pretty good luck with the uh, CellCep. So cyclosporin, again, was initially used in patients sp- refractory to steroids. Uh, it doesn't often help the inflammatory de- uh, bowel disease. So it's often more useful in treating the uh, uh, pyoderma gangrenosum. Uh, doses of about five milligrams per kilogram per day has worked just as well as high doses. You'll often see some fairly rapid response time. Uh, and there was a low rate of relapse when the drug was discontinued. Unfortunately, it definitely can cause severe hypertension, uh, nephrotoxicity, uh, and uh, gastrointestinal upset along with uh, hypertrichosis, so patients can get uh, hypertrichotic areas and they don't always like uh, that, but the hypertension and uh, potential renal toxicity are the biggest problems. But here's a patient that did respond uh, very nicely, did not have any underlying diseases, and uh, you can see these uh, perforated areas of pine and gangrenosum on the leg. Uh, and again, he took just under 5 milligrams per kilogram. And after just a little over 2 months, the area completely healed. He had been on higher-dose prednisone but did not tolerate them, had de- uh, developed a tendency toward really high blood sugars. And so the cyclosporin was a nice option for that patient. For patients who don't respond to cyclosporin, and you want to use a uh, – Uh, calcineurin inhibitor, tacrolimus can be used, 0.1 to 0.3 milligrams per kilogram per day, uh, and you should see response in four weeks or so, and then you may have to continue that until the ulcer heals. Uh, Again, it has nephrotoxicity, neurotoxicity. uh, Diabetes has been reported, but not real common with short-term use. Uh, Mycophenolate, mofetil, or uh, CELCEPT has been uh, very uh, useful in my hands. Uh, The biggest drawback of it is uh, the uh, cost, and you have to take a fairly uh, good dose. For the typical adult, it's a gram twice a day to 1.5 grams twice a day. And it's usually used in combination with steroids, but very often you're able to reduce the steroid dose fairly rapidly. It can cause leukopenia, anemia, and increased uh, liver transaminases, but those aren't terribly common. Uh, It is an immunosuppressive agent, so opportunistic infections can also uh, be seen, but they're not very common at this dose level. Uh, And the main uh, problem with mycophenolate is the cost, and not all patients will respond. Here's one of my patients though, that did well, and you can see he's got these multiple perforations like a sieve. He had known pyodermaganginosum, so we knew that's what was going on. Uh, You can see the halo and the violaceous border here. Uh, and this was just after six weeks of uh, SEP, the area is really starting to heal nicely. And then here it is at 10 weeks with just some little uh, dry crust areas. I think biologics are now the uh, treatment that we uh, find can be very useful. Again, the cost is one of the main uh, problems with these, but Remicade and Umira uh, can definitely uh, help pyoderma gangrenosum and they actually are wonderful treatments for inflammatory bowel disease. So if your patient has uh, inflammatory bowel disease and they're not on one of these agents, and not everybody is for various uh, reasons, and you add one of the uh, biologics, uh, the patient may do quite well. Here's a uh, case series from the Journal of Gastroenterology, Uh, 13 patients treated, of course, all these patients had associated inflammatory bowel disease uh, and uh, they were refractory to steroid therapy uh, and here's some of the uh, treatments that had failed uh, in these page- patients, including cyclosporin and tacrolimus. Uh, the patients were given the infusions at five milligrams per kilogram, and uh, all 13 experienced complete healing uh, in a, just under three months, uh, on the average of uh, under three months. Although sometimes it took longer. Again, that would depend on the size of the uh, ulcer. And then UMira, there's a more smaller series, but 40 milligrams subcutaneously uh, every two weeks led to resolution of the chronic ulcers. Uh, Pulmonary and splenic involvement uh, was also controlled, so your your biologic agents may control people who have uh, pulmonary disease. And uh, the main side effects were injection site reactions, headache uh, and itching, Again, there were not any reports of serious infections in these uh, small case series, but that is a uh, risk of the immunosuppression that you get with uh, biologic agents. The other limiting factor is the cost if the patient doesn't have uh, insurance or a way uh, to get the medication. Other therapeutic measures, uh, thalidomide, you have to be a physician on a registry to get this drug, which uh, as you know, is a teratogenic agent, can also cause significant uh, neuropathy, uh, so it's not used very much. IVIG is used for a variety of things. It's expensive, and I don't find that it's uh, as useful uh, in this country as it's been reported in Europe. And then plasma exchange, again, is a heroic measure for patients that don't seem to respond to everything. But most cases, if you diagnose them early before it's out of control, the measures that we've already discussed can be useful. Here's your uh, thalidomide, 100 milligrams a day was used, IVIG, one gram per kilogram per day, uh, plasma exchange, one to three times a week. Again, this is an intensive treatment, very expensive, uh, and uh, I don't find is usually necessary. Uh, for the typical patient that uh, you can see and uh, get on proper therapy early. Uh, People always ask about the prognosis of it. And uh, there've been a few series. This was from medicine, where 86 patients uh, were reviewed over a 12 year period, uh, almost uh, 70% cleared in the first uh, 12 months. Uh, By three years, uh, only 5% continued to have difficulty and prednisone uh, was continued for a little over, was discontinued at a little over the year in the average uh, series. So, uh, with our current therapeutic measures, you can generally bring this uh, process under control. I think to summarize, uh, recognition of the clinical pattern is essential for making the diagnosis. Uh, biopsy with cultures is necessary to exclude things that can mimic pyodermoganger Uh, Associated conditions are commonly seen at least probably in 50 percent and then you will find those with your appropriate laboratory workup or specialty consultations. Uh, Early aggressive treatment to gain control of the process really helps you get uh, the disease under control and prevent extensive disease that then takes months and months and months to heal or causes severe disfigurement. Uh, Again, avoid aggressive debridement, keep it gentle, Uh, the pathology phenomenon. And for uh, the larger or more hard to control cases where you're gonna be on a treatment for a longer period of time, uh, steroid sparing agents uh, are frequently necessary. Uh, There's no single agent which is always effective. And I think for your patients with the uh, uh, inflammatory bowel disease association, if they can afford it and there's no contraindication, Uh, and they're not already on them, then uh, I think your biologics, your anti-TNF agents, Remicade and Umire can be uh, extremely uh, helpful. And here's an uh, uh, abbreviated uh, bibliography, but these are actually very nice uh, reviews of both the disease, the clinical features, and uh, some of the therapeutic uh, options that we've mentioned. I believe that's it. I don't know if we have time for questions or not. have you been having question sessions after the talk or?
0: Nobody stops me, I'm gonna ask one. Um, have you ever heard of Hydroferro Blue for local control of pyodemagranosum? Dimmer- I didn't hear the first part. Hydroferro Blue. It's a wound care sponge impregnated with uh, crystal violet and methylene blue. Its website says that it can be used without steroids. I have some experience with it in patients who have inflammatory bowel disease and have that. I have found it in that subset of patients to be next to a miracle. It works very well, controls their pain and disease within hours and within less than several months can heal very large ones. But I've also had some refractory patients that don't have inflammatory bowel disease. And so I have another question. Um, What about secondary infections or even primary? Do you see a lot of um, infective agents with this, if you send uh, for culture?
1: Yeah, you very rarely see infections, uh, in uh, secondary infection of pyoderma gangrenosum because this inflammatory response is so severe and they're draining all this pure material and you send just routine cultures and they're almost always sterile. So you usually don't see secondary infection with pyoderma gangrenosum.
0: I have a patient that was 82, got scratched by a dog, wound care, had her for seven or eight months before they sent her to us. At that point, her small wounds were beginning to coalesce and very rapidly coalesced into something that looked a little bit like that, which I treated with Hydrofera Blue, but my cultures came back, four-plus Pseudomonas aeruginosa and Pseudomonas putititis, and she got pain relief and l- loss of swelling when we put her on Cipro. But the lesions didn't heal well, and the secondary cultures later on showed resistance and still the same bugs. Mm -hmm. She's in another clinic now, so I don't know what happened to her. But I didn't think of pyoderma as the only reason because I had such an effective process going on. Well,
1: you know, with with that history, I just wonder if there are some unusual agents that could come from animal bites. And uh, so uh, I'm not sure that was ordinary pyoderma gangrenosa.
0: How how long do you wait for a response to steroids before you decide you're not getting one?
1: Well, if they're in the therapeutic range, uh, usually within just a few weeks, they're going to be better—not totally healed, but uh, but better. And in the meantime, you've gotten your uh, you know you've got your cultures and your workup going. So uh, uh, if if you're not if you're not getting a response, make sure you didn't get suckered by an inf- uh, suckered by an infectious agent. You know that's why it's good to. Uh, to do your workup. Bacobacterial and fungal cultures take several weeks, so get that going, uh, but you'll get your pathology back, and usually you can be pretty certain that it fits best with pyodermaginosum, then you just monitor the patient. Usually there's a prompt response. Thank you. As we showed you in the pictures. Thank you. All right, we're good, well thank you. Hopefully that was uh, useful.